welcome to the RBL Podcast. I'm your host, Mercedes, and if you're ready to be inspired and encouraged, this podcast is for you. Rise by lifting, rise by lifting others. You rise, you rise, you rise, you rise, you rise. The following episode is by no means to condone violent relationships or domestic abuse of any sort. If you or anyone you know is in an abusive relationship, please seek local assistance and get the help you need immediately. Forgiveness does not equate to compromising your safety. Be safe, be wise, and remember you are loved by the powerful and mighty God who created you. Thank you. Hey, RBL community, we no doubt all require God's forgiveness due to the sin in our lives. And even after salvation, we still require forgiveness for our offenses to God and others. Sometimes, however, when it comes to our turn to forgive our offenders, it can be a little struggle for some. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about forgiveness and what it may look like even when it comes to those who have offended us. On that note, I'd like to introduce my guests for the day, all the way from London, UK, Miss Rochelle Nathaniels. Welcome to the RBL podcast. Hello. (laughs) Hi, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Okay, Rochelle, so how long have you been safe for, first and foremost? So I have been been saved for 16 years. I got saved uh, in 2007, 10th of June. Great, great. Okay, amazing. So you're in the double digits of salvation. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. So let's just dive right in. Um, why don't you go ahead and share with us your testimony? Okay. So um, how do I start? Oh, wow. Okay, so a um, little bit about myself, um, a little bit of my childhood. So I was born in Sri Lanka and uh, I, came, I was, uh, you know, brought up in a very strict uh, Asian family. Um, and my, my dad was extremely strict. And from a very young age, I um, saw... Uh, domestic violence in my family with, with, with my dad and I had to grow up as, as as a little kid at the age of five or six I had to grow up to to support my mom when you know she needed me to look after my brother and sister um, my dad um, he only knew he, he for him discipline was with maybe uh, a cane or maybe he'd use his belt you know, for me, with me, and I grew, I grew up with with that sort of uh, upbringing where it was really um, quite hard. Gave up uh, my education at the age of eighteen so I could support my mom uh, because my dad was not there for us that much at home. So I I gave up my education to um, to support my mom to educate my brother and sister. I start working at the age of 18. So uh, I was brought up actually in a very strong Catholic background. I never had a relationship with God, but I knew actually God was there because I used Mm -hmm. to pray a lot even as a kid. When I was going through such hard times as a kid, I had no one to talk to because we never spoke um, as a family. We never did that. So um, for me, it was quite tough and I had no friends that I was able to speak to. So 
I it was all within me and I was, you know, um I did not know how to explain myself to anybody to be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um so I think when I was uh I think I was 20 years old when I was introduced to my husband I got to know him and that was night I think it was 1989 and um, so I told my mom that and my dad that I met somebody where my parents were not very happy because obviously he was li- living in London and I was living in Sri Lanka in 1980 1990 he proposed to me um through a, a letter to wrote to my mom and dad and asked for the permission to marry me and he came the next year and we got registered got married so mm-hmm. i have never had rela- i never had that time to spend with to know who he was or what he was all about so when i came over here for me it was like i had nobody it was miserable it was gray it was cold it was in february when i came and and the very first day that i came to london um Obviously, he was. Uh, we were living in the same place that he was working. He was a chef in this overseas student hostel. So, um, and we were living in a basement flat. I, I, I came to London on the twenty sixth of February, nineteen ninety one, and from the very next day, I never had my husband with me in the house uh, to take me around or show me or whatever. I was always on my own. And I realized that he had a big problem with alcohol. He was he was quite he was drinking quite a lot. And there were days that I never even had food because obviously he's gone out with his friends, and I was like always on my own. And then a month later, uh, that I'm coming to London, uh, I was asked to go to his aunt, which I I did not know how to go. Um, because I have never been, I'm completely out of my comfort zone. I have no family in London, you know, I did not know how to go. And because I said I do not want to go, he beat me up. And that was the very first day. It was quite hard because I loved him. And it was just like what I went through as my child, my, as a child. My childhood was like I could see that in front of me. And since then, it was always so much of domestic violence in the house and I was used to get beaten up really badly and I had no one to talk to. And um, I started a job um, soon after I came into London and I was able to go out and I was able to meet friends. I had friends that I was not able to talk to because I was really scared because he said if anybody finds out that I have spoken to anybody, I, I will, you know, I knew my consequences it was quite tough because I had, I was no, I was not able to speak to my parents. I was not able to tell them what was happening because I had no way to get in touch with them. Because obviously, when I started to work, all my money that I was earning was going to him. So it was, it I didn't even have money to speak to my parents to tell him what what, what was happening. Mm-hmm. I can remember uh, one day. Uh, we we went out. We went out to uh, like a nightclub sort of place where uh, my husband was extremely drunk, and he he brought he um, pulled me out of the place because I was talking to one of his friends. He brought me out and he beat me up so badly, and he put me into a cab. He brought me home. Even in the cab, he was beating me so badly. He came home, and he raped me on that day, and. Uh, 
he raped me and then six weeks later uh, in november um, i was pregnant with my 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 older son and mm-hmm. all about the pregnancy he was never there for me he i even through the pregnancy i used to get beaten up uh, and it was really tough because to be pregnant not to have family have no food sometimes to eat when i was not going to work it was extremely hard and it was quite heartbreaking so i went to sri lanka for first wedding anniversary where i found out that he was having an affair with his best friend's sister and i was then 3 months pregnant um oh. and then obviously my parents found out exactly what i was going through but they could not do anything about it because obviously well i'm pregnant now i i'm living in another country they can't get involved you know what i mean i came back when i came back to london it was quite tough because i even during my pregnancy i used to get beaten up quite a lot my when my son was born uh, he always for 18 months this boy cried even when when i was pregnant he beat me up so much and uh, i think he was quite disturbed he was a disturbed baby when he was born so he cried all throughout that pregnancy all throughout the pregnancy um when i was i mean when i gave birth to him for me when when I, my older one johan was older so he was about 3 years old he almost he was so drunk one day he tried to strangle me and if if it was not for my son i would have been dead that day he was 3 years old he saved me on that day and i decided on that day i left the house and i went to one of my friends place uh, to stay there uh, for two weeks and i was um i went to uh, to a council where i would able to get a house for myself but obviously it took so long um and i had to come back because i was not able to stay there for that long because i had no money i was not going to work i had to come back home and i decided on that day when i came back that i'm going to save up and i need to get out of this relationship and this marriage because i could not let my son suffer the way he was going through everything that was happening to me and he was he was seeing everything mm. so the place that we were living uh, was my husband where he was working so everything that i was earning it was just like the money for me because everything was paid in that place where i was living so i was able to start saving uh, money to find a place to go and i found a place where um, i was able to uh, buy the place that i'm living now and i saved up almost 22000 pounds to buy this place and i moved out from that place and i came to this house where i'm living at the moment and that was the best thing i ever did because for me for my son he was 8 years old so when we walked into this house the first thing he said was mom no more fighting no more arguing and it's just you and me mom mm-hmm. um i think that was the best thing i did for my son but he was so i think he was tormented for all what he saw like a little boy mm-hmm. um so when um, when i was saying to my friend that you know um uh, I was in this house on my own and she turned around and said to me you know something Rochelle you need to tell Andy where you live because if anything happens to you your child will go into care so uh what I did was I had no choice because I was I got really scared I have no family over here I have 
nobody over here. I did not have a church. I did not have anybody. So I had to tell him where I was staying. So obviously, when he knew that I was staying in this house and he was going through, his job was going into redundancy and he had no place to live. So he said to me that if I, he has to come back, he has no place to go. And he was crying over the phone and he was saying stuff like, you know, if, I, if you don't take me, I'll commit suicide and all this sort of stuff. So I felt sad for him. And I thought in, in the day, that's the father of my son. So I told him to come over here. So it was never physical abuse, but it was mental torture. I think mental torture is worse than physical abuse. So mm -hmm. all throughout, um, that was the lifestyle I was living. And then obviously my second son was born um, in the meantime. And uh, I was going through such a bad time in my marriage. I knew that I need to get out. I cannot live in this marriage. So I asked him for a divorce. And he said to me, um, what we really need is we need to find a church. I spoke to one of my friends. Now, she is the manager of where he was living as uh, before when I first came to the country, uh, where he was working. It was an evangelic alliance. So it was like an evangelic um, uh, hostel. So I still kept touch in touch with her. And I called and I said to her, you know something, I really would like to find a church. Um, you know, can I come to your church that I used to come to? And she said, no, um, their kids have found a church in Walthamstow called the Potter's House Christian Center. Why don't you come over there? And in, um, in 2007, um, in June, we walked into the church and I have never, ever felt so much of love and, mm -hmm. and the sermon amazing and my older son was 14 years old and I asked him you know some do you what do you think do you, do you like to come back and he said yes mom I would love to come back and the very second Sunday when um, I got saved uh, four Sundays later my son got saved mm -hmm. and obviously coming to church we found um, a family that truly loved us mm -hmm. over there and but my husband, he backfired on him because he thought me, us going to church will keep us in the marriage. But then we got really fell in love with the church. And obviously we stayed in the church and he never came to church. He, you know, he'll start an argument on a Monday for the Wednesday service. And then he'll start an argument on a Friday for the Sunday service. So oh. this is how it was in the house for some time. In the meantime, my two boys were really... Um, having a great relationship with God and they were in church and doing quite well actually and then um, I think in 2009 my my husband started coming to church as well but he was in church but I don't think he uh, he was in church but I don't think he really had a relationship with God at that time mm -hmm. but I there was something about him that was not right I, I could not put my finger into it I could not understand what this something was not right with him and uh, in 2017, mm -hmm. um, I got very sick um, and I went to uh, the doctor um, and to find out what was wrong with me. And I discovered that I was infected with STI and I did not know what it was. I, I did not know because the, I, I, you know, my husband was the first partner I ever had. Uh, I have never had a relationship with, with before. 
when I and I when I was told that I was like, wow, um, you know, is this like some sort of disease or is it something that you know what is it? Um, and my doctor said, no, it's your husband. Uh, no, no, he asked me, have you ever had any intimacy with anybody else? And I said, no, I, I don't. You know, it's just. And he said, well, it it may be your husband. So that was. It just absolutely put me into a place like I had a panic attack. I did not know what to do. And the worst thing for me was walking into a sexual clinic, which I have never, ever been in my life. And I was on mm. my own, not able to tell anybody. I was so scared to tell anybody. Um, I walked in there and even that God did a massive miracle for me because I said to God, God, um, there's no way that I'm going to talk to any man about myself. I need the lady that I point out to that lady. And I said, God, I need that lady. That's the one I need. And um, just like that, she was the one who spoke to me. And she said to me, I asked, you know, is it is it a mistake? Am I really having this, what they're saying? They say, She said, yes, there are so many husbands or wives or partners are coming and they do not know what the other person is getting up to so um i then decided to tell my pastor where my pa i told my pastor exactly what has happened and he was he was so upset for me and i have never seen my pastor cry and um, what we were praying for that when my test came because they were testing me for hiv uh hepatitis b and and aids and all the sort of stuff and mm -hmm. the fear i had thinking that I may be infected but I prayed to God and I said God I'm your child there is no way that I I should have anything like this you know and when my test came I was completely set free I was it was you know I I was mm -hmm. I had no that sort of uh, disease at all mm -hmm. and I planned to go to uh, the Perth conference uh and we went there and I was still very badly infected at that time because the medication they gave me completely infected me so badly. Um, and I was praying every morning, every evening. I prayed and I prayed. I prayed. And on the Thursday, I came after the morning service and I went for a shower to get ready to go for the evening service. And I was 70% healed. Mm -hmm. And I came back on the Friday and Friday, I had a shower just like that I did on the Thursday. I was completely 100% healed up to this very moment. I have never, ever had it. I never got it back again. Now, this, this now I, when, when I told him and he said to me, when I said to him that he had infected me, he turned around and said to me, it was not him. He said it was not him. And it was, oh. it was breaking because it's saying that it was me. And I thought, you know something? God knows my heart. And then he left the house because he could not stay here because he knew. But I asked him the question because I knew that something was not right. And I asked him the question, are you bisexual? This is something in me that I had to ask this question. And he said to me that I am accusing him. This is what I do. It's, he always manipulates me. He had a, such a manipulating spirit. And mm. um, he he left the house because I think he could not stay. So he went and lived with his, his brother for six months. And um, he asked me, um, 
can I come back after six months? And I and I know my kids were saying, no, mom, you know, don't take that back because dad will never change and you will mm. be gone to that place all over again. But I took him back because I oh. felt for him because he went through a childhood where his mom passed away at the age of seven. Uh, he was um, sex- sexually abused by his own uncle you know, his his life was broken and he came here and he was adopted by his aunt. And I, I felt I felt so sad for him. I had so much of empathy for him. And I thought, if I don't let him come back, he's the father of my children. How how am I am I really truly a Christian? Am I? If to do something like that, you know, am I taking his salvation away? And you know, uh, you know, am I gonna take away the father of my two children so i asked him to come back but when he when he came back he promised me not to drink he promised me to to you know to do right but he didn't he when i he was in the same place and i prayed to god i said god you need to show me you need to show me whatever he's doing in a secret place should be screamed from the rooftops and i have to be set free just like that, God showed me uh, what happened was uh, he's, he was fast asleep on the on, on the sofa because he was so drunk. Um, and I saw, uh, well, his phone fell out of his hand. And normally a phone will only last for like 30 seconds and it just, just locks out. And the phone didn't. And my head mm-hmm. says, don't look. My heart says, you need to look because that's what you were praying for. You know, so I looked and it was absolutely, it, it was abomination. It was like Sodom and Gomorrah to me. And I woke him up and I asked him, what is it? What is this? And then he turned around and said, the truth is out. I never realized that my husband was a homosexual for 30 years. Wow. Because I was married for 30 years. And, and I never knew it. I wow. never knew it. You know, and obviously he. I asked him to leave the house. He didn't for four weeks. Um, I sat on my stairs. I ate on my stairs. I was very scared to sleep because I knew that that I'm not dealing. I'm dealing with a spirit now, and I I thought that he will he will kill kill me. I was really scared to go to sleep. I never slept for four. For weeks, I sleep, I wake up. I sleep, I wake up. I was so exhausted. Uh, I couldn't do it anymore. And on the uh, it tw- on my son's 18th birthday, he decided to leave the house. And he sent me a text message to say, I'm leaving tomorrow. And for me, I was like, wow, how can you leave on your son's birthday? He's going to be 18 years old. And I said, you can't leave tomorrow because it, it is Aaron's birthday. He's going to be 18. He said, I don't care. And when we moved out of this house, he moved with a man. He went to live with a man, wow. you know, and uh, and he was a very young boy. He was just 21 years old, which I never really knew um, at that time. So he moved off from this house uh, in 2020, 2020, yeah, 2019, who moved from this house. And uh, I then found out that he was living with this young boy and this young boy even committed suicide and he used my younger son to go 
to help him to clear up all this mess of this boy, which was really, really sad, which I never knew. Because I never wanted to tell my two boys that, that their father was a homosexual. I never wanted them to know. I wanted to take this, to keep it with me because I did not want them to feel rejected, unloved or hurt. I, I thought I'm going to take it with me but it was the worst it was awful because I it was such a burden for me to keep this secret so in February um, last year my older son asked me the question mom is dad gay and I really had to speak to my pastor before I spoke to my children my, my sons and I have to tell them yes and then my older son said mom I knew it I knew it at the age of 13 because I came home one day and I saw dad coming out uh, from your bedroom with a guy. And wow. he said stuff to me that absolutely blew my mind. And he knew this for so long. And now I know why my son, the older son, never got on with his dad. Wow. So he, in 2020, uh, we went through a divorce in 2019 we went through a divorce and in 2020 he moved in moved back to Sri Lanka where when he moved back to Sri Lanka and be even before he moved back to Sri Lanka over here he was I have never he was he used to take alcohol but I never knew he was taking drugs so he was into cocaine he was into alcohol he was into weed he was into all this madness and then he went back home to Sri Lanka and he was he was uh, I mean living the life of drugs and alcohol and he was living with a man and um, he tried to commit suicide and then when things were really really getting bad my younger son told me what was happening and I was like uh, he was supposed to, he was no way he can come back to London. I was so scared that he will come and he will, you know, um, he will do things what he used to do to me before because this now this man is demon possessed. You know what I mean? He got alcohol, he got drugs, he's into homosexuality, you know, all this madness. And what is he going to do to my boys? And I prayed, I prayed, and I, I prayed with one of my pastors and we gave all the three boys to God and we said, you know, he said, it is God's will. And Rochelle, you just have to believe in trust in God. And um, on the 25th of September um, last year, he committed suicide. And uh, it was really sad because for me, it broke my heart because he had so many people to support him. He would have spoken. There was my pastor. There were so many people around him to help him. But then he, we all have a free will. And I took my three boys to Sri Lanka. I took my two boys to Sri Lanka. Um, and I went back home and I, uh, I, I gave him, I buried him. I gave him the best send off ever I could do because I did it for my boys. Um, I, I have to, I said to him before, we, we were quite amicable um, because for my children and my grandchildren, I had to be amicable. And I had to be a Christian, you know, uh, no matter what. Uh, we go through trials, but, um, you know, um, what is Christianity is love. So I said to him, um, for all what you did to me, I forgive you. And for me, because I made that decision to forgive him, God completely set me free. 
mm. it's hard to forget but forgiveness is not for him forgiveness was for me to set me free mm. um i think when i'm talking about my testimony about what i gone through i feel now like i'm talking about somebody else not me because god has truly set me free mm. wow Hey, RBL community, please remember to follow this podcast and follow us on Instagram to never miss out on any updates. And now back to the episode. Okay. Wow. Um, Well, thank you for sharing that. So of course, like just to kind of unpack that uh, a bit. So first and foremost, I know that you initially talked about your past a bit. I know that you said that you you didn't really know him much um, when you got into um, a marriage um, with him. But how do you think that your past affected your decisions when even, you know, deciding to marry and choosing to marry him in the first place? I think the reason uh, I even though I had that past, I think when, when my husband said to me, uh, I will never raise a hand to a woman. I think that was the thing that I I thought, oh, he's a good man. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, that that word for me was like, okay. Uh, and I, I I and the other thing as well for me as the I just want to leave home because I could not live with a father who always beats me up. You understand? I thought this mm-hmm. was a was the runaway this was the getaway for me wow okay so then I guess like um going again more so into the the, um, relationship in itself what do you think made you remain in the relationship with your husband even after experiencing even the first time abuse I think um one was the fear of the unknown uh you've Mm -hmm. got young kids so you think like, okay, how am I going to survive? What am I going to do? I think that goes through a lot of women who who goes through the situations that I go through because obviously your kids come first. You sacrifice yourself for your children. Um, the the second thing for me was I first think, uh, for me, I thought, am I really going to take his salvation away? Because he was coming to church. For me, when he was coming to church, I thought, okay, He's going to get saved. You know, that was my prayer every day. God save him. God show him. God guide him. You know, mm-hmm. talk to him. So I think I felt, and, and 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 his past as well, because he has such a bad past, I felt so sad that how am I going, how can I do that to him? You know what I mean? So I stayed in the relationship. I thought it's going to be better. You know what I mean? Mm. So, um, and I wanted my two boys to have a father. You know what I mean? So I thought about all those things. And that's the whole reason I stayed in a relationship. Okay. But what about before, like, the kids came into the picture? What do you think you're, you're like, like, looking back now, what do you think your mindset was? I think my mindset before the kids came. And I felt like, you know, the culture that I came from, you know, you yeah. don't go you're married and you don't go back you know what I mean because that's you can't go back to the community again because you know it's putting like shame on your family Mm. so that was the reason wow okay so how do you think then just the effects of everything that you went through 
regarding like um, the abuse, for instance, how do you think that affected how you viewed yourself and God at the time? Once I was, even before I got saved, I I knew that God, there was a God. I never had a relationship because mm-hmm. I was brought up being a Catholic but I, I still prayed I and, and I hanged on to God because he was my only way. Nobody was able to help me. So from I always, I do not know what it was. I had this thing that God was the only one who was going to save me. And once mm. I uh, once I knew Jesus and I had a relationship with Jesus after 2007, for me, I, I, I ran to God for everything. Mm. Because for me, me I knew that he was with me he looked after me took care of me and that's what yeah my my faith was everything Mm. at that time you know what I mean Mm. so I guess when do you think like of course because you mentioned just a lot of different things you know in different seasons from when you first met him to the initial abuse to, you know, um, being pregnant with your first child to, of course, stepping into church for the first time and getting saved and et cetera. When in all of that, did you decide that you're, you know, maybe it was right to forgive this man? And did you find it difficult? For me, if God forgives me every time uh, Mm -hmm. for what I see that I do for me, like, this is what I can, if if in the Bible it says it's not so forgiving seven times or 77 times, you know what I mean? I forgave over and over and over. I, 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 I don't think it was me. It was God within me who mm. was giving me strength to forgive. Mm. Even though when my boy said, mom, how many times are you forgiving dad? Mm. he doesn't it's not going to change but why are you forgiving him but i think i felt that empathy towards him you know what i mean and and i i i really believe it's the holy spirit really to forgive okay i i didn't hate him i it was very hard for me to hate him i was mad yes i mean there were days that i just want to kill him you know what i mean for what he's doing you know, because you go through so much, you just feel like, but then you think, but am, am I really truly a Christian? Am I, will, will, will God forgive me even for thinking like that? Mm. That, that's how I felt. Mm. Wow. So I guess my next question would be like, do you think forgiveness always means a restored relationship? Because of course, like I 100% agree, like, you know, God calls us to forgive, right? Like Bible says that um, unless we forgive, our heavenly father won't forgive us. However, I also know that, you know, for especially for those listening out there, you know, who might just to clarify for them who might be in something similar where abuse is involved, right? Um, Where is the fine line between forgiveness and still keeping yourself safe from certain circumstances, you know? Because a person, 
might think, okay, so does forgiveness mean that I should remain in a relationship where I'm being abused or, you know, or can I still kind of separate myself for safety matters, but still forgive the person? I think if you are in a place where you are being abused, Mm -hmm. then I think for your own safety, you need to leave because mm-hmm. you don't want to put yourself in a place that you can you can get hurt you know what i mean but yeah. in the same you need to forgive yeah uh, i think at that particular time you will be able to think forgiveness first because you mm-hmm. will have safety first yeah you know what i mean for me i think you need to get yourself out because that's the most important thing right but forgiveness comes later on okay agreed agreed so I guess um why do you think then it's important to forgive in spite of the circumstances if you don't forgive if there is so much of anger you are the one who's having so much of hurt and pain you need to forgiveness is not for the person who has done things to you forgiveness Mm -hmm. is for yourself to set yourself free you know bitterness is 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 very very a painful thing you will never have relationships with anybody Mm. people run away from it because you got so much of anger and so much of unforgiveness it comes in manifest in you 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 know you forgiveness is not for anybody but is for yourself Mm. to set you free that's really good so I guess of course like after you got saved you know and now you know you found a church home and you're growing in your relationship with God what do you think were some verses that helped bring encouragement to you in these moments of uncertainty and discouragement and hurt and pain and etc well, my favorite script, uh, scripture is uh, be still and know who God is. I think uh, you have to be still and know who God is because the battle is not mine. The mm-hmm. battle belongs to God and the victory is mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's the other one was it's Isaiah 43. Um, God is my strength, my fortress. Mm. Uh, I think that's and then the other one is that god will never leave you or never forsake you mm. um that's the other one which is really really so powerful to me because i know um that god never did he never forsake me he never left me until this very moment mm. and uh, the other one that is very very powerful for me is isaiah 49:25 god will fight for those who fight against him mm. you know what i mean fight against you you know, God will fight for us. Mm. So it's it's those and and the other thing is like if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. Those are some really good verses there. Um, so I guess in that, hearing all of those verses, of course, and those encouraging um you in those moments, what do you think were some things you've learned about God's character in the midst of everything? I learned that God that he is merciful, he's caring, he's loving, uh, you know, that even though when I was going through those situations and 
you know, I was having so much of anger. Some There are days that like, why me? How long? You know what I mean? How long mm-hmm. do I have to do this? God, you know, uh, am I ever going to be set free? You know, things like that. And I, I know that God was always there with me. Mm. I, I felt that, you know, I had words after words given to me in church. And they were so powerful because God always said to me that he'll shut every tormenting door and give my heart desires. Mm. That was one word. And he, another word I got when, you know, when I came after the funeral was that God said to me, don't look back, look forward. He can put mm. broken things and broken people together the way he wants. And if I think this is the best of the best, he will give me better than that. Mm-hmm. So those were encouraging because God spoke to me through scriptures. God spoke to me through words. God spoke to me to my friends. So I I knew God was always with me. Mm-hmm. And God is love. His four words, his four letters, I beg your pardon, four letters. It's love. It's, mm-hmm. it's, he's all about, you know, he just wants us to, we can, we can go through all these things. Uh, and it is a testimony to glorify God. And, mm. and he has absolutely brought me to this place. And I will go from church to church, to pulpit to pulpit, to nation to nation, to street to street, and tell what God has done in my life. Mm. He never left me. And he will not. He will Amen. look after my kids, you know. Amen. So I must ask then, of course, like... Um, just kind of going back a bit um, because your story is very unique you know in the sense that even after salvation there were still things that were happening you know in the background now a lot of people would you know who have been through whether it's abuse from you know their childhood or you know, just with their spouse, whatever the case may be, just any kind of circumstance would basically, you know, become bitter and, you know, start blaming God and, you know, maybe even hate God. Some even say, okay, you know what, forget it. I don't even believe in God anymore. I'm going to be an atheist, forget all of this, you know, but with you, it's like it, that never happened. So, but I have to ask, like, at any point in time, you know, when all of this was occurring, even from your childhood throughout, you know, marriage, throughout everything that has occurred, did you ever stop and blame yourself for these um, circumstances or even blame God and resent God for the situation that you were in? Before I got saved, before I got to know who Jesus was and his love and, and, and my relationship with God, my personal relationship with God, I thought it was me because I was being told by my husband it was always my fault. It was me who made him be who he was. So I thought it was my fault. It, it is me. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What is it that I'm doing so wrong? Why am I the why why is all this happening to me? But when I got saved, I asked one of my friends in church, I said, Is it really me? And she said, no. And she said, Rochelle, before you ask God to change Andy, you have to ask God to change you. So I said, you know, and I said, God, change me. Whatever it is in me, change me. And 
I never ever blame God. God was my safe place. Mm. I ran to God all the time. And I knew that no man could help me. I, for me, I, I knew this, that man couldn't help me, but it was only God. I always, always ran to God. Mm. I don't know why I did it, but that's 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 my headspace. And even though even now when when I was when I talk to my friends, when when I talk to people, even at work, I always say, you know, there is only person that could help you is God. There's nobody mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. That that was my understanding. Mm -hmm. You know? Wow. Okay. So I guess kind of going back a little bit. Um because I know that you mentioned at one point in the very beginning that, you know, you were isolated. So there wasn't anyone that you could speak to and stuff, you know? So what do you think, I guess, helped you to start reaching out later on um, and sharing with others exactly what it was that you were going through? I think at the beginning, when when you were told not to speak to anybody, you you felt I felt like I couldn't speak to anybody because I was scared. I was mm -hmm. scared to speak to people because I I I felt that I will have consequences, which will be the abuse, you know. Mm -hmm. But when I I think when I really got to know who Jesus was and I made friends in church. And I was able to listen to the preaching. I felt that I'm ready to talk. It was a huge burden that I had was set free when I spoke to other people. And this is why I want to tell my testimony to other people is because when you are going through something, don't keep it to yourself. You need to speak to people because if you don't speak to people, they will be able to help you praying with you, being there with you guiding you supporting you and that is what the church is church is a community to where to give you that support so you need to speak up and say to get that right help for you mm. okay and i agree definitely better to deal with things with others than by yourself for sure right. okay so as we bring this to a close how would you encourage a person who has come from a similar background and maybe is struggling to forgive their offender or whatever the situation may look like? I think um, you really have to understand that, yes, we go through issues every day. We go through problems every day. We will be going through situations every day, but we have to really understand that you need to forgive yourself. To, for you to set yourself free, you have to come to that understanding is that if I keep this anger and this bitterness and everything what is going in my life, I am the one who's going to get hurt. So I need to really embrace God and I, I have to ask for God's direction and guidance and I need to come to that place to forgive. It is the hardest thing to do to forgive people who has hurt you it's tough. It is hard because you're the only person who knows what you have gone through. But then if you don't forgive, how can you set yourself free? How are you mm. going to live with it for the rest of your life? Mm. What about if you have children? Are they going to see you in that place? 
you have to be example. You have to be example of Jesus. If we forgive the people who has hurt him, we can forgive the people who has forgive, hurt us too. Mm, that's good. Just to add to that, what would you encourage a person if they would say to that response, well, what are some practical ways in which a person can forgive? And do you think a person has to forgive um, an offender multiple times? Or do you think forgiveness is just once? You have to forgive. It, it, it may be once, it may be twice, it may be three times. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. Because mm-hmm. once you start forgiving people, because you may not have one person, you may be having loads of people around you who has hurt you. You know mm. what I mean? So you need to forgive them. And it may be not once. Think about if it is your child, your child can really hurt you. Are you just going to forgive them once? Mm. Or many times? Mm. You know, my son is 31 years old. And he hurts me all the time. Sometimes <laughs> still. And I still forgive him. Because that's what love is all about. You have to mm. forgive people. You know? And maybe that you don't even know this person. Maybe that person is a stranger. Maybe it's a work colleague who is really absolutely, you know, pushing your buttons to really wind you up. And, you know, be, being at work and being a Christian is the toughest thing to do. But you mm-hmm. have to forgive them. But you, it's your actions, who you are as a Christian. Mm-hmm. They will see you how you behave and will change them and to want to know why why you are the way you are. Mm. You're a walking testimony. That's good. That's really good. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle, for coming on here and sharing your testimony um, and just breaking down exactly like what forgiveness looks like. Very powerful and very much appreciated as well. Oh, thank you. I, I pray that this podcast will will touch pe- many people's hearts. Of course. All right. And that's a wrap. And until next time, RVL community, stay encouraged. Mm-hmm.